X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. It is April 7th, 2020. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It's sunny this week, Wednesday and Thursday. It projects to be 71 degrees. Enjoy the sunshine at a safe distance. Today on The Local, the quick six headlines. Andy Gigerich, managing editor of the Portland Business Journal, and John Schrag, executive editor of the Pamplin Media Group. When we come back, will we still have an office? Absolutely. Um, will people spend as much time in there? No. Um, so I think that makes people more efficient. I think businesses around the globe are finding that. But first, it's today's Quick Six Local Rundown. I'm Jefferson Smith, and it is Monday, April 7th. On Wednesday, the Portland City Council will consider selling $100 million in revenue bonds to boost Portland's COVID-19 response. According to a financial impact statement, the ordinance authorizing the sale defines how the funds will be spent, and it defines it pretty broadly to give flexibility in the city's coronavirus response. The city's general fund reserve has a balance of about $60 million, half of which could be spent on emergency relief. The financial impact statement says, and I'm quoting, because the impact of the emergency on the city and the Portland community is not fully known at this time, it is uncertain whether the general fund reserve can provide sufficient resources to address city needs, end quote. The bonds must be repaid within two years, but could be extended. The bonds can be repaid from a variety of city revenue sources, including property taxes and fees. And your daily dose of data with new news of profiteering by Trump Confederates on COVID-19 with 10,000 dead nationally. How's our progress in Oregon? Well, some good news. There is some indication of a little bit of flattening of what would otherwise be an even spikier curve. Oregon's tally of known cases of the novel coronavirus surpassed 1,000 over the weekend. The curve has shown some signs of slowing. It puts the total counted by state and local authorities as of Monday at 1,132 along with 25 deaths. Washington has 7,666 confirmed cases and 322 deaths. In the last week, Oregon averaged 63 new confirmed cases a day. Remember that number. We're going to be tracking it. And the local media impact. Our need for information is higher than ever. Local media reporting online traffic has doubled or tripled in the last weeks. But ad revenue has sharply declined. The Portland Mercury and Street Roots moved to online publications, canceling their print editions. Pamplin Media has consolidated local papers into regionally focused papers. And stay tuned for Andy Gigerich, managing editor of the Portland Business Journal, and John Schrag of Pamplin Media Group, that's the Portland Tribune, etc., who will share their perspectives. Boeing isn't reopening production on Wednesday after all. In an email to Washington workers on Monday, Boeing extended the planned two-week shutdown in its Seattle-area plant. That decision affects about 30,000 of Boeing's 70,000 Washington workers. Boeing has reported 133 known cases among workers, up from 118 the previous day. Meanwhile, Daimler's Portland plant announced it will stay closed at least until April 20th. One thing that's higher, cannabis sales. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission, you know it as OLCC, released sales figures from March And yes, it is a new high. $84.5 million worth of cannabis products were bought in March, a 37% increase from this time last year. By the way, in the early 1600s, the Virginia, Massachusetts, and Connecticut colonies required farmers to grow hemp. These early hemp plants had very low levels of tetrahydrocannabinol. The current weed is, well, not that. And Beaverton teachers held a parade for students learning from home. On Sunday, there was a happy occasion for some Beaverton students 
Elmonica Elementary students gathered on the sidewalk in front of the King Court Departments to get a glimpse of their teachers. With Oregon schools shifting to online learning, Oregon Department of Education says maintaining teacher and student relationships are key. So a group of staff at Elmonica Elementary arranged a parade around the school's neighborhood while maintaining safe social distance, of course. One fourth grader could be seen holding a small whiteboard which said, Hello, teachers! Hello, teachers, and thank you. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. I'm Jefferson Smith, and you're still listening to The Local. Today we are joined by Andy Giegrich, Managing Editor of the Portland Business Journal, to update us on the Portland Business Journal's response to the coronavirus. Andy and Jefferson also discuss local economic impact and future recovery. Andy, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Oh, no, no problem. I'm, I'm uh, very happy to be out. How has this changed your day-to-day? How has this changed news gathering and news delivery at the Portland Business Journal? So we, uh, we're, we're, we are part of a chain. Uh, there are 44 papers throughout the country. There, it's based in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we, uh, one of our papers is, uh, is in Seattle, the Puget Sound Business Journal. And uh, uh, we work with them because of our proximity. We work with them quite a bit. And um, so they, uh, you know, by virtue of getting hit first, uh, they actually started working at home uh, in, it, it was right around March 1st. It was pretty early. And that was an edict from our national office. At the same time, uh, they, the uh, the people we, we just call them people in Charlotte they 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 said okay we're, we're all probably going to be on alert here um, like in the next week or so we'll probably send everyone home just just be ready for this so they they anticipated it nicely so uh, March 11th happened have you guys been talking much about March 11th as an inflection point in terms of when people realized you know that this is a big thing insufficiently like, and continue to say more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 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 Tom Hanks slash um, NBA moment is, is is what I call it. So so after that, the next day we um, we had a staff meeting and we became the second newsroom to be sent home. So you're day saying so Mar- March 11th, March 11th, you said it quickly, but March 11th was the day that uh, you said that Tom Hanks and the National Basketball Association said, "Hey, everybody, this is real. We're shutting stuff exactly. down. Tom Hanks is sick, and we ain't going to be playing basketball anytime soon." Exactly, and and uh, I was in the newsroom that night with a, a couple of designers, and and uh, one of them said Tom Hanks has it, and and, and the other designer were like, oh man, man, okay, so that 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 brings it home. Then like uh, five minutes later, uh, uh, I got word that that the NBA had canceled its season, and it was like, okay, so this is um, uh, this is gonna be life changing, obviously. So did, uh, did you think? Do you think that Tom Hanks got it on purpose just to save the rest of us, just to sound the alarm? <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, Dolly Parton was, uh, I, I saw this uh, new segment on Dolly Parton last night, who, who doesn't have it, but 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 I thought, oh man, uh, when when she gets it, it'll be like kind of like Tom Hanks level, like like everyone will be uh, just just a lot more uh, a lot more cautious. Maybe, yeah. maybe Dolly Parton will drive some of those governors who haven't issued social distancing orders to uh, to do so. But um, but anyway, yeah, that was that, that was definitely an, uh, Hanks was definitely an inflection point. So so the next day we uh, we received the order to start working at home and. Um, 
at first, so so laying out a newspaper, like a physical newspaper, uh, which we, we still exist, and, and we're still uh, very happy to, to, to give people something to hold. Laying out a, a, a physical newspaper, though, uh, has always been clunky, and uh, when we're not, like, in the same proximity as each other, it's, it's way more difficult. We're communicating largely by by slack or instant messaging you know like like there there might be like little changes that we can just yell across the newsroom like oh man third paragraph i need uh uh there's a comma missing in in the uh uh after uh after so-and-so's name so so now man it just it's just we, we have to write for the first week or so we we were like okay we have to write this we have to spell out every little thing that we're saying for uh you know a stupid comma that's a hassle that still sort of does remain a hassle although i've um uh we, we've gotten a little bit better at, at, at sort of like shorter form communicating things like that but anyway yeah we we were able to reasonably seamlessly um move production to it of the paper remotely we were working off of a server so instead of yelling um, across the room hey i need to fix that comma after dolly parton instead you just what yell on slack the same thing basically yeah (laughs) same thing but um i mean sometimes even for professional writers like spelling things out like that takes a while so especially if we're doing it all, all, all the times where are you seeing innovation and creativity that is giving some businesses maybe a chance for survival or some surprising successes well right now i mean um it, it it does seem like like there's opportunity in technology i have heard about a few companies that are that have offered uh, uh tracking programs uh to uh just kind of log where where the virus is and, and whatnot and uh and that, that'll be important for the next for the next couple weeks um what i'm waiting for though is um uh, have you used zoom much at all on a daily basis. Yeah, I am awaiting just, you know, uh, companies that can offer um, the, the sharing services like that that are uh, a lot more secure and, uh, frankly, a, a lot better performing, a lot faster, a lot more nimble and, and whatnot. If, if that doesn't happen in the next few weeks, my guess is that it'll happen by the time the next pandemic rolls around. <laughs> you say that with a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but something I noticed, bit. I haven't heard it reported a bunch, but something I noticed was that... In, a, in this century, okay, which has not been going on, this millennium, sure. which hasn't lasted very mm-hmm. long, uh, in the last 20 years, we've had six global pandemics, all right, you know, SARS, mm-hmm. swine flu, etc. Before that, in my lifetime, the most recent one was AIDS, right? it was, you know, mm-hmm. in the late 70s, early 90s. So in the, in the period that we've had six, in that same time period, we had had one previous to that. And again, that could just be random, but it could also be an indication we're moving around more, that their bugs are resistant now to certain uh, to uh, to certain right. of our measures. But let's talk about the economy before you have to go. One of the big debates right now is if there's going to be a V recovery, if we're going to bounce back as a country, as a state quickly after all of these layoffs and after this economic stoppage. Any indication from what you're watching of businesses that might have a harder time to bounce back where we might see not a V recovery? 
Well, most most definitely again the social distancing thing, and and that that includes okay, so so events and and conferences for sure. That that that's going to be really tough. We will feel that a little bit at the Business Journal because um, a, a, a fair amount of our income does come from from convening people. We have uh, awards programs. You know, we're planning our forty under forty uh, awards right now for you know the the people who are smarter than I am who uh, have, have uh, succeeded in, in, in business and, and, and at life uh, uh, under the age of 40. So uh, that, that, that will, uh, that, that's going to take a big uh, uh, chunk out of the economy. Um, sports businesses as, as well, I think will get hit. Um, uh, although, uh, you know, the, the propensity of, of, uh, owners who aren't as highly leveraged as they used to be to, to buy teams. I mean, they will probably be okay and the players will, will be okay. But, um, but yeah, you know, you have, you, you have the vendors and the ushers and whatnot, you know, thank goodness the, the Blazers and, and most other teams did, uh, help, help out the people who work at, at Moda Center. So, I mean, are they going to be able to do that if the season starts late next year? I, I, I don't know. So, but what, what I'm hearing in, in terms of the, um, the sectors that will do okay is, is, uh, manufacturing, uh, um, you know, it, 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 it's for the most part stopped right now, but there will be a pent up, pent up demand. So whenever um, people do get back to it, that'll that'll be a V. That'll that'll go way up right away, um, and that includes um, semiconductors, which is uh, a good sign, or it would be a good sign for for Intel, which is you know the the area's largest uh, private employer with twenty thousand people. So um, so that that's something positive to look forward to. I am though. It, if I have just like like a few more uh, seconds, um, um, I, I am working with one of our reporters on a story about restaurants, and um, I don't know if you saw the David Chang interview um, a couple weeks ago in the New York Times. Chang, for people who don't know, is a uh, um, I guess celebrity chef for Le- legendary like foodie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he was saying. I mean, he was saying this this could really kill the restaurant industry and it wasn't just hyperbole he he thought that you know like so many could just go out of out of business altogether and and, and not not come back at, at all and not even come back in the form of uh, of counter service or, or whatnot so um so we're we're working on uh, kind of that angle and was um, his take on restaurants and your the story you're working on is how restaurants might or might not be able to return was his take more that well this is just going to be so devastating because unlike unlike people who own sports teams people who own restaurants generally are pretty highly leveraged they don't always own their own land they are living every couple months to every couple months is it because they're so hard to hit or is it because they he thinks he fears that people will just change habits for the longer term and just order postmates no definitely the former it's 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 because they're you know a lot of them operate month to month if not week to week and and um um it's just kind of the nature of the business and and like it, it sounds like even the even the famous, you're famous, but but even like the higher revenue or not not the chains, but 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 just you know the uh, well-known restaurants that I, seem I, really I, successful yeah, I, also I, might be low margin. I, 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 exactly, yeah. I almost uh, dropped some names, and then I realized I didn't really know <laughs> <laughs> know that for a fact. But he he also warned too that the um, that um, to, to me it's a warning that uh, you know the the, the places that that. 
uh, are like like chains that that do have a lot of um, uh, money behind them. You know, um, maybe they're uh, publicly traded or whatever. He he said those might become the, the dominant food sources in in the country. And God, that would be just terrible, especially in a place like Portland. This is our angle because we have so many great indie restaurants and, and such a reputation for creativity. We, we're going to just try to get a handle on how, uh, how this will affect, um, you know, a, a major, major Portland industry. Andy Gigerich, Portland Business Journal. Thank you so much for spending the time. I hope we can do this again soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Let me know. All right. Take care, man. Up next, we have John Schrag, executive editor of the Pamplin Media Group. To give us insight on what's happening over at the Portland Tribune and other Pamplin Media organizations, John and Jefferson talk about the Pamplin Media business model and the choices they've made over recent weeks to keep the community informed and employees safe. Media organizations all around are struggling not only to cover the pandemic, also to keep their employees safe and to keep their operations viable we've seen multiple newspapers have moved to uh, have moved to online only and taken away their print editions we've seen multiple layoffs how are you man and we know the Pamela media group that you are figuring this out you guys have done some consolidations how are you wrestling with this right now uh, well first of all thanks for taking the topic on you know over the years you and I talked about this industry privately and it's great to share this with your audience because I think as an industry we've done a lousy job of explaining how we um, get our money and um, I think it's come to hurt us as as uh, the events of the last few weeks have shown so yeah I mean it's hitting different media organizations differently depending on their revenue model so, um, you know, the first casualty, which was very sad, was the Portland Mercury, um, which, which is still still publishing online, um, massive layoffs. And that's because they were so dependent on free distribution, meaning people picking that thing up off the street, um, advertising from uh, restaurants, bars, and events. And then also um, they were doing ticket sales. So, like, their entire distribution and revenue model just went away, which was really sad. Um, we are a little better shape in that our print editions um, are mailed, and thank goodness for the U.S. Postal Service um, hanging in there. So we can still get our papers to our readers. Our problem um, is that we have the same problem that the Mercury and Willamette Week and Oregonian all print products have, is that our advertisers um, just went away in about five days and it's because of the uncertainty of the economy and and you can't blame them for some of them closed some of them don't know what products they have on the shelves some of them don't know if they can provide services so we're in this horrible transition in the economy and people are understandably not sureing not sure how to market what they do what are some of the things you're doing to wrestle with the problem Talk to us about the consolidations that Pamplin has started to make. Yeah, well, so one of the things we did, we have, there, there are two big expenses for most um, legacy media organizations with a print component. So um, uh, we have our big cost, our first big cost is people, and sadly we have um, had to do some temporary layoffs, and I'm happy to talk about that in a bit. The other um, thing that we spent a lot of money on is newsprint, and um, 
the printing process. We have a press in Gresham. So what we're doing, and again, this is just a temporary measure, is we have, you know, a month ago, we would rough, we would print roughly 18 different newspapers a week, um, and then some monthlies. And what we're trying to do is consolidate those so that we have fewer press runs. That's to both save paper, it's to save press crew time, but also we're really nervous about, uh, we run two press crews, we're nervous that if one of them um, if, if we have an employee on the press crew who tests positive or even is just um, highly suspects uh, getting this new virus, um, we would need to send that entire crew down for a period of time. And there are not experienced press people in the Portland metropolitan area, so we could lose half of our printing capability. So we're combining papers. Um, the, the residents who typically um, get the Westland Tidings, the Wilsonville Spokesman, or the Lake Oswego Review. Last week, they got a consolidated paper. This week, we're gonna add another publication to that um, run, the Clackamas Review. So we're doing that around the region. Our Washington County papers are now consolidated. Uh, the Portland Tribune that comes out this week is gonna have news about Gresham and Sandy as well. Um, we're hoping our readers are patient and understand that um, we're still gonna give them as much news as we can in print, but we just have to cut our costs. Any rush to innovate, and maybe it's too early to think about silver linings or to dwell too much on silver linings, but anything that the crisis is pushing you to do that may be a long time coming? I think like a lot of businesses, we are learning that um, that physical office space is perhaps not as important as we thought it was. Um, our newsrooms have been pretty... Um, good at working remotely, um, but we pushed it out really quickly and luckily we have a good um, support uh, technology team. And, and so um, we're finding that we can actually get our work done um, without being in the physical office. So I think when we come back, will we still have an office? Absolutely. Um, will people spend as much time in there? No. Um, so I think that makes people more efficient. I think businesses around the globe are finding that. Um, I think in our industry, we're also finding that people are willing to pay for good content. And that's been, you know, that's been the, the thing that gives me hope is that um, we've had record, record numbers of people subscribing, even at a time when we are um, putting all of our COVID news up for free. Um, we started our paywall in about, we started, started them in November, December, really kicked them in in December. And since then, we have tripled our digital paid subscribers. And uh, what we found is the last few weeks, people are are subscribing, they're upgrading their subscriptions. Some of that is they want more news, some of it they've told us is they just want to support a news organization. That people are maybe being shocked awake by this into what it takes to get information to them. You were saying earlier that there hadn't been a good enough job done, arguably, in telling people how news organizations operate, how they make their money, and maybe there's a jam-packed chance to educate people now, or maybe people are educating themselves now. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going on is I think Oregon um, did have a, a, a head start on this. Um, I mean, if you know, we the news organizations in Oregon last year got together um, and did some content sharing and some coordinated coverage of suicide prevention. Um, it was a really good project called Breaking the Silence. Um, and so when this COVID uh, outbreak occurred, we already had 
a system in place. We had an email group going and we pretty quickly pivoted to say, hey, um, this is a crisis. What if we all share our content? And we did that. And I think, so another thing that's happening is in a way we're all promoting each other. And, and I think, you know, I have always said that, you know, when I, I was at Willamette Week for years and people would say, oh, thank God you're around. I, I, I never read the Oregonian. And my response always surprised them. I'd say, oh, that's really too bad. I read it every day. Um, you can't be a news consumer and listen to one radio station, um, read one newspaper, watch one television station. So, I, you know, I think people need to get their news from a variety of sources. And what we're doing is um, exposing people to a lot of different media sources. And I think people are finding news outlets that they didn't know about. So it's it's good, I think, for the media landscape in that regard. It's going to be hard as far as the economy, but I think uh, certainly uh, the the people have a greater appreciation for good, solid reporting, uh, shows like yours that allow a longer platform than 30 seconds. So I think people are have some time on their hands and they're re-exploring and getting reacquainted with the news outlets in the region. When I think of a newsroom, inevitably images come to my mind, like for Murphy Brown or The Wire or Lou Grant, and I have this idea of what a newsroom looks like. What is being lost by, if anything, uh, what is being lost by distributed newsrooms with more reporters working from remote? Anything being lost? Obviously, you already mentioned efficiencies are being gained and safety is potentially being gained. You know, I think it actually, um, we are a, uh, a Microsoft company, so we have the new Microsoft 365 with the video conferencing. You know, we have um, we have online um, meetings every day. We are uh, meeting and seeing each other, and it's really great that, that we can um, actually spend more time with each other <laughs> virtually than we did in the newsroom because people were always scattered. So I know the Portland Tribune is meeting every morning. Um, you can see each other. There are the jokes. There's there's a lot of jokes. Um, and you still have that camaraderie. So I think technology has actually helped that where you can, um, where in the past it was harder to gather people together. Um, but now we're starting to do it more than we did in the past. You think when we get back to normal, some of that doesn't get back to normal. Do you think we get to a better place about more remote working after this happens? How are you imagining remote working looking like for your shop after this passes? Knockwood. Um, I think it's. I, I think it's going to continue. I think um, we are again with technology. It's 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 great because um, we now have the ability to post a story. Um, from our phone, uh, so people, if there's a breaking news event, um, no need to call into your city editor and have them, you know, through the Murphy Brown days, type it into a system. It's just you get something out, you post, you alert an editor, they go and they look and they make any um, edits that are needed. So I think, um, you know, it's actually going to make the dissemination of news easier, sharing of news easier, sharing of documents easier. Um, I assume there's, I mean, I, from what I understand, organizations like Zoom and others are just going gangbusters and yeah. and really, at this point, trying to help people, but also try to gain some customers as they move forward. So, uh, I think you will you will actually gain some advantages in in collaborations. You can um, reach out to people who are outside your newsroom and bring them into conversation. So, I, I think that's the net gain when we come out of this. 
You brought up the layoffs. I think you said temporary layoffs you're going through. How did you, uh, how are you working through that process? What are you dealing with? How do you imagine coming out of it? Well, a couple things. One is, you know, we're lucky. Um, we're owned by uh, Bob Pamplin, and he has never required us to make a big profit. In fact, all he asks is that we break even, which is pretty um, unusual for a company owner. So we did what we did is we took some incremental steps. The first, we reduced everyone to four days a week, and then we went down to three days a week, and in part that's because of Oregon's work share program unemployment that allows you to get unemployment even if you retain your job but lose hours. Um, so that was a way that we were able to protect our employees, keep them on the payroll, keep them engaged, but reduce our costs. Um, but then, you know, a couple weeks ago, we realized that that was not enough. And so, um, yeah, we laid off about temporary, we laid off about 40 of the 200 people who worked for the Pamplin Media Group. Um, roughly half of those were from our newsrooms. Um, sports took a very heavy hit in part just because um, there are no sports. Not a lot of organized sports being played these days. And as you imagine coming through it, and this might maybe gets more internal than you want to mess with, but how much do you imagine trying to refill either with the, those same people or with new people trying to refill those spots? Or how much do you think this is a lasting uh, change for the paper? And I say that not only about the Tribune, but because I think it's a window into what lots of organizations are having to face. How much of this is a temporary change versus how much of this is, no, this might be the new normal? Um, I think this is a case, unlike the, you know, the newspaper layoffs that we've seen over the past decade or so. Um, that was part of a trend that was really hard to counter. Um, this, I think, really is situational. The advertisers we know want to come back. Um, that revenue stream will come back. The advertising works. Um, it just doesn't work right now because everything is in chaos. So um, once the advertising comes back, there will be money to bring people back. <clears throat> once we get schools back in session, there's no way that we're going to give up on high school and professional sports. We know we have a lot of readers who um, come to us for that. So I do think... You know, unlike a lot of the past mass layoffs, this is one where we will bounce back, um, you know, maybe not to 100%, but I think pretty close. What are some of the news outlets out there that you're following a lot? Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. I, I think I went, like a lot of people, I went through sort of information overload, and I took a break from the New York Times for, for a few days. Um, I'm now going back to it. And also just because of things were happening so quickly, um, we were... Uh, focusing on local. And again, with this news sharing arrangement, I was looking at all the new local outlets. Um, and I just really started to look for non-virus related news. And I think, you know, I wanted, wanted to give you guys a shout out. I think you guys have done a tremendous job um, helping uh, voters stay engaged during this election. Uh, I think you've had, it seems like you've had every candidate I know of on We're for trying. extended interviews. So it's, that, that's been great. I appreciate the shout out. We are talking to. By the way, I've known we've known each other for a long time. I I have pronounced your name alternately, just because I because I've because ne- I've heard some people say shrug and some people say shrag. Do you like the hard A or the soft A? Uh, it doesn't really rhyme with anything, so shrug is pretty close. Um, that's it's it's 
Swiss German, but um, yeah, I respond to anything uh, that is not well, even even if it is profanity laced. Uh, I've been called much worse. Let's just say it's that. So shrug, shrug is how it goes. You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC, HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. John, anything I should have asked you but I didn't? No, I just hope um, all is well. And again, I, I really thank what you guys are doing. I encourage your listeners to explore other media outlets. Um, support media however you can. If it's just tuning into X-Ray every day, that's great. If it's... Um, buying a subscription, please do that. If it's um, telling an advertiser or a sponsor, hey, I heard about you, um, make that extra call. It really helps right now. So um, please support your local media, whatever form that takes for you. One of my great hopes, I've got to just amen to everything you just said. One of my great hopes out of this is there any number of things we will take less for granted. That includes contact with our loved ones. That includes being able to play basketball in the park or watch a game. And it absolutely includes not taking for granted our information sources and how the heck that stuff happens. I've been taking it far too much for granted for far too long and really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jefferson. Good to talk as always. Thank you to Andy and John and Emily. Shout out to all the local journalists working to give information for our democracy. And thank you for listening. The Local is your hometown in about 30 minutes. As always, we'd love your feedback and your ratings and reviews. You can send us an email at thelocal at xray.fm. And meanwhile, stay home. Stay connected. And thank you, Democracy. Talk to you tomorrow.